Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Lord, your vast wilderness, your amazing creation, the desert, all your creation shouts for your glorious name. The desert, Lord, so quiet out here. The wilderness, so remote. The rugged, harsh beauty that exists out here. Lord, we, we need life support of some kind in this vast wilderness. So why, why, why does God take us to the wilderness? Why does He continually take His children out to the desert? Why did He take Israel, His beloved children, His chosen people in the Old Testament, why did He take them to a vast, harsh uh, place where life just barely hung on uh, to be alone with Him? Why did He take His prophets to the wilderness always? Why did God take uh, His only begotten Son before Jesus began His ministry? Why, why did God take Jesus to the wilderness uh, John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus. Why did, why did God did, let John grow up in the wilderness and come out of the wilderness? And, and why does God take us? Why does He take His beloved children today? Why does He take us to the wilderness uh, to be alone with Him? Why, why does He do that? Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's amazing that most of us, when we uh, really care for someone, when we love someone, we, uh, we want to take them to a nice place. I, I, I know most new husbands, they didn't take their bride to, to, uh, out to remote camping in a desert somewhere. Is, uh, the honeymoon is usually a place to, to, to lavish upon your bride something beautiful, something luxurious, something very comfortable and, and nice. Uh, that, but that's not what God did. When God wants to shower His love upon His children, He, he didn't take them to a, a luxurious place. He, he took them to the wilderness, to, to the desert, right, to be alone with Him. So why does God take us to the, to the wilderness, to be with Him? Uh, there's many reasons uh, this is the case, but primarily it, it is in the wilderness. It, God loves us. He uh, wants no distractions uh, he wants us alone with Him. He wants to use it as a time to shower us with His care and with His love. And He wants our undivided affection. He wants our, our love for Him and, and to be removed from the entanglements of, of our other loves of, of the world and the entanglements with the things of, of the modern world and things that we give ourselves to, all of the life-building things that we pour into. He wants us alone. He, he wants us to be with Him, undistracted in a place where there is no noise, in a place where it's just His creation, and, and we have to depend on Him for life, for, for, for our very bread for our, our very breath. He wants us to be in that place. He can shower His, his love upon us. He calls us His segula. It's a beautiful Hebrew word. We're His treasured possession. And it is in the wilderness that He reestablishes this love that, uh, that He has for us. And, and there's a second part of this. He takes us to the wilderness because that God desires in that place when we're with Him and we, we increase in our dependence on Him is that God uh, desires for us to be reestablished in our calling to be a kingdom of priests. To, to be his ministers, to minister to him, to realize that our first vocation, our first calling is to minister to God. Is to realize that that is what God's desire was for Israel, and that's what his desire is for his people. Um, tells us in Exodus 19 um, exactly what God wanted from his children when he took them to Mount Sinai, right, to, uh, to be with him and to share with him. Exodus 19, starting at verse 4, God says to the children in the wilderness, when He took them out to Mount Sinai to meet with Him, He said, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. And now, therefore, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, you shall be My treasure possession among all the peoples.'" 
for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. You will be my segula, my treasure possession in a kingdom of priests. So when God called Israel out of Egypt, he called them into the Sinai wilderness, into this vast wilderness where their life had to be radically dependent on God for everything, for, for their existence, for their livelihood. Um, they had to learn to depend on him. And he called them out there to lavish his love. He took them to Mount Sinai. It was actually a, a, a wedding, a Jewish wedding. God was actually marrying and, and presenting a covenant to Israel to be his prized possession, his, his people, his segula, his tri, prized possession, and to call them into his mission, into his cause in this world, that they would learn to be a kingdom of priests. They would learn to minister uh, unto God, and they would learn to minister for God to others. Um, and we see in uh, Exodus 19, we and uh, in in this journey that the people uh, they rejected that call. Is that they got fearful and they rejected that call, and they um, got to where they were. And put it all on Moses. Moses, you go do that priestly work. You go meet with God in the tent. You come and tell us. But we're just going to hear and uh, uh, have all the, the blessings of God and, 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 and have him in our camp. But you do that work. We're going to do our thing over here. And we see the tragedy of this is the people of Israel, they kept going back to Egypt. They made the golden calf. They, their hearts were still back in love with the world and the things of God. They wanted those creature comforts, those things of Israel, the food and, and, uh, of Egypt, more than they wanted the presence of God and, and to grow in his independence with him and his calling. And they rejected that calling uh, to be his priest. And therefore, God had to set up the Levites. He had to set up a, a unique, smaller group of people to, to do that work for him. But we see God carrying on this same desire for his children to be his prized possession, to grow in that intimacy with him, but also to grow in their calling, their priestly calling to learn to be a kingdom of priests. And we see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 5. This is what Peter says. He, he says, you yourselves, church, are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 9, but you, church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. You see, in 1 Peter, is that what God has, is, is showing us, even today, his church, his, his beloved, his secular, his prized possession, is he desires them to be a, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to carry out their priestly duty. Now, I know the idea of being a priest might not seem very popular. It might seem weird at, uh, at, at first, but we have to recover what this is all about, is primarily a priest is someone who ministers to God and someone who ministers to others for God. It's in partnership with God. And, and we can't have the intimacy, the, 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 the loving relationship with God <clears throat> without also embracing the mission of God. And these are the two primary reasons that God takes his children to the wilderness to reestablish a loving relationship, intimate loving dependence of his children on him and to reestablish their calling to be the, a kingdom of priests, to learn to minister first and foremost to God and to, through worship and prayer, and to minister for God, right, to others. And this is what we see in 1 Peter, and this is what Jesus, how he trained the disciples, was to be a kingdom of priests, to minister to God in worship and in prayer, and to learn to minister through the power of the Spirit, right, to, to others. Uh, and it just comes back to think about how we worship. Most of the time, I'm, I fear that the church today, um, that we are missing the same thing and making the same mistake that the Israelites did, is we're missing this calling to be a kingdom of priests. And it just shows up in our worship and our 
our prayer is that we, we kind of give it over to the professionals or something. We show up at church and, and all of us in many ways, it's more about us, what we're going to get out of something rather than understanding that God has called each of us, if we know Jesus, to be a, a priest, to minister to him. And it tells us in Romans 12 that we are to bring a living sacrifice to God. We're to minister to God. And that should be our primary thing when we come to church is to minister to him, to worship him, to pray to him. And to, he delights in the ministry of his people. And that's what we're called to first and foremost. And then it's through that that we learn to minister to others for God. And it was through the Holy Spirit to minister to each other. And I, I fear that, it, that just like the Israelites is that we've kind of rejected that calling and that church and, 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 and faith is, is so much more about us and that we're entangled just like the Israelites were with the things of Egypt. We're entangled with the things of the world. This whole pandemic we're in right now, this coronavirus, is, is what is God doing in this time? Well, he's doing a lot of things, but what we can absolutely say is that he, during this wilderness uncertain time, is that God is calling his people. He's calling his church again back to the wilderness, back to focus on, his, on loving him, on receiving his loving care and reestablishing our dependence on him. And secondly, he is calling his church to revive, renew in our priestly call to first and foremost learn to be worshipers and be those who intercede, to learn to be priests, to minister. What does it mean to bring a holy, bring our bodies as a holy sacrifice to God and to minister to him in purity and holiness and to be used by him that God through the Holy Spirit can love others and we can minister to others for God in this wonderful uh, calling that God has for us is I believe it is a time that primarily we need to, to not miss this, to not miss this time. And I'm af afraid that even myself as well is that we're, we're, we're consumed in this time of getting out, of getting back to our normal, whatever normal is, and getting back to our comfortable lives and, and the way things were uh, more than we are consumed and, and, and concerned about, Lord, what do you want for us? Reestablish us as your prized treasured possession, your segula. Reestablish us, Lord, as, as a priesthood. Lord, let us learn what it is to, uh, to serve you, God how you want us to, and to learn to walk with you and talk with you um, and be your blessed children once again. Uh, Lord, may you, may you again establish, Lord, your church, God, in these times as those who, who love you and who serve you as a kingdom of priests. Lord, for your glory in this time. May we not miss, may we not miss this wilderness opportunity of what God desires to do in this time. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to uh, part two of our Desert Series. Um, we just want to take some time. Got Derek and Brian here just to just kind of break down uh, this idea of segula and, and that God made us a, a kingdom of priests, what that's all about, and, and maybe talk a little bit more about the practical how maybe of uh, accomplishing those things. But um, I, I hope that, uh, again, as we always want to emphasize, I hope you have your paper Bible. I hope you have your, your paper journal, and uh, we'll take some notes. We're going to give you a few things. Hopefully, there'll be a blessing to you this week. You can use in your own quiet time with the Lord uh, and just to take some time to really listen uh, to what he has to say and what he's doing. Um, I think, again, just to, to reemphasize here, we, uh, uh, that God takes us, the two primary reasons he takes his people to the desert, um, number one, that we would be reestablished as his treasured possession, that he wants to renew that relationship with us. And number two, he wants to refocus us. He wants to empower us. He wants to uh, get us in tune with his calling, his primary calling in our lives. Um, that's the two main reasons um, for this. And so let's just talk about the first one here for a while, this idea of segula, this beautiful Hebrew word that, uh, that God um, calls us, that he, we are his treasured possession. Um, what, what, that is, what that's all about 
and uh, and how do we do move that, that that direction? I think we can all um, agree just in our own lives that the universal, this is a universal problem and struggle for all of us. We come into this world, we all are longing for self-worth and our own worth and who we are and, and we desire, it's built into side of us. We're creating the image of God and, and God uh, has this place inside our soul, our spirit until we're saved that's just longing, it's restless to hear those words, you know, the, of uh, you're my treasured blessing. I think we've all struggled. Some of us have grown up and we've never felt special. We've never felt like we were special or had any worth or anything special, unique about us. And remember that God's created each of us. No one's like us in all the universe. We're unique before him. And uh, salvation is Jesus coming by the Father to, to bring this redemption and to save us back into the family of God to reestablish this unique um, uh, love that God has for each of us as his treasured possession, right? Who we are. And so let's just talk a little bit about, um, about this, this issue of, of segula and maybe how we, we uh, break that down a little bit. And I have four words for us to talk about this morning. Hope you'll write these down. Hope you'll take them. And we're just going to kind of skim the surface on these four. But we see these, this progression um, all through the scripture. Four big words. It starts with our inheritance. If we're going to grow in understanding who we are in Christ and his great blessing over us, we need to really... Um, wrestle with and, and have restored this, this understanding of, of what our true inheritance is. And that moves us to, to the next word, which is providence. Is this awakening a, a larger view of life, a larger view of our role in the world, and, and to see that God's providence over everything um, in the world. And, and from providence, the next word is provision, is the opening of our hearts of gratitude to God rather than a focus on, on, on the things that haven't happened or what we blame God for, whatever it may be. Is, it's a focus on his great provision. And then that moves us to the last word, which is just affirmation, where we experience. It's not just, yeah, I, I know, I believe God loves me, but a real genuine sense of, I, I have experienced the love, the lavish love of God in my life. So those four words again are inheritance, um, providence, provision, and affirmation. And uh, let's just uh, maybe chat a little bit about those four, four words this morning, guys. Um, before I dive into the first one, anything on the list that we need to pray about or look uh, at? Yeah, we, we need to address this one. Uh, text came in and said, where is it? Let me find it. It said, is Derek a cowboy now? Giddy up. John Wayne wants his bandana back. <laughs> so thank you for this. This is not in. a bandana. Is that person from Colorado? This is not a bandana. Oh man, that's good. Yes, it's you a can take, You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. That's exactly Part of the right. heritage, bro. That's exactly right. Oh, that's good. Um, uh, I'll take that as a segue. I wanted to just mention in, in the first service when when I was listening to the message, uh, it occurred to me that the degree to which we identify. Uh, with secular, the degree to which we identify as a treasured people of God uh, is the reciprocal of the degree to which we struggle with self-confidence or which we lack self-confidence. I'll say that again. The degree to which we identify as a treasured people and our value in God is the reciprocal of the degree to which we lack self-confidence. And that struggle with self-confidence is actually a struggle with God-confidence. Yeah. We're trying to be renewed in that. We hope you'll go on this journey with us as a church, as followers of Christ, to be renewed in that, to be renewed in the true message. I mean, that's what we're trying to bring to you from Crossroads. We want to examine truth together, and that's what Steve's doing in this time, is bringing this to us so that we can be renewed in our yeah. identity. That's great. Yeah. Hey, I just want to reemphasize something you said there. The idea of self-confidence connected to God-confidence, right? And oftentimes, we, I think we try to separate these. You can't separate these two, right? Oh, boy, right. I, th I think there's a, there's, a mis there's a misunderstanding of that. I mean, you know, we have these capacities made in God's image. We have these capacities to think, to dream, to create, uh, to, to build these extraordinary buildings, novels, uh, art, all these capacities, but we, we end up depending upon those capacities Instead, we should remember, I mean, when God stood, when God took a break after the, on the seventh day and said his creation is good, we need to identify with that in him. He's doing things in us. And when, if we can look at things like that and know that God is the 
the origin of even the strengths, the gifts that we have, the things he's given his church to do, that, that originates with him. And that takes the stress and it takes the, it takes the, the burden off of our shoulders yeah. to know that God is doing it. It's just, it's I've heard it actually said, uh, you know, when the self-confidence goes down, the self-loathing comes in. And it's not a reflection of the creation, which is us. It's actually a, f- a reflection of the creator, uh, God. Because like you said, we're made in his image. And w- when we think less of ourselves, we don't believe that we're his treasured possession. Yeah. What does that say about his image of us? Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, and someone actually texted in uh, this a little earlier, uh, but it's so perfect. And it just talks about us being his masterpiece and his worksmanship. It says the idea of segula um, so beautifully couples with our being of his poema. Mm-hmm. That's that the Greek word? word for his masterpiece. Yeah, yeah it's described in Ephesians 2. So if you haven't read Ephesians 2, it says, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, mm-hmm. which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beautiful. He's yeah. like, we're a masterpiece. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and I think, gang, just again, this, this number, it's at the bottom of the YouTube page there, but 970-717-0087. Just if you have prayer requests, I, I, I want us to pray. And again, they can come in throughout the week, call us throughout the week, we'll want to, to pray. But, you know, this morning, I hope that uh, two things will be established, two things we can pray for, one being just our, our self-worth, uh, uh, understanding who we are in God's eyes. That's foundational to, to every bit of our life and our walk with God affects everything, right? And we know, obviously, in our culture today, this is a big, big issue. And then the second one is just calling, direction. Um, God's specific leaning and calling uh, for our life. We'd love to pray for these things. So if you have something out there in one of those areas, just get it in to, to Brian. We'll, we'll stop and pray even right now this morning or pray throughout the week you know, on, on those two things. But let me just uh, kind of dive us into these four words again. Inheritance, providence provision and affirmation uh, are uh, the first one is inheritance and um, <clears throat> this idea of my worth and, and, and God seeing me as his treasured possession uh, again I, I think a lot of us have never really felt special in life and uh, we struggle with that and all of the things that we wrestle with in our past and um, you know the words have been spoken over us um, boy it just seems like today we're, we're so consumed by the wounds and the trauma of the past that it's very hard for us to get to focus on our on our on our heavenly inheritance that God gives us. This is a key aspect of what salvation is, what the spiritual growth process is, is to, is to put more focus. The only way for this to work is I need to shift my focus off of my wounds, off of my trauma. Not that those things aren't important, have to be dealt with, but I have to lay hold of the inheritance, right, that, that God has for me in his word. And, and, and those things have to be poured over me by faith. I have to take what God says says about me and hold on to those things and trust that the promise is that the spirit of God will will restore and transform my understanding of my earthly inheritance and move me into a primary focus of my inheritance is is a child of God and all of the promises of God uh, that are laid out for me and and I think where we're at as a church and also as a country really the Christian church in America even is we're hung up on the wounds we're hung up on the trauma and we haven't got where our primary focus is leaning in by faith on the promises, the gospel itself on these promises to start making those, right, our inheritance so that my understanding of who I am is based on what God says and not by what the world says or what my past says. Remember, when we're saved and the grace of God hits us, Jesus' blood, it covers everything in the past, everything in the present, and gives me a an inheritance, right, that goes on to eternity. So no matter how good our earthly inheritance was, no matter how good the, the, the affirmation was over us, we all need, right, to lay hold of God God's, our Heavenly Father's affirmation. And remember, Jesus himself, before he began his powerful ministry uh, on the earth, is that he was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came up out of the water, the heaven opened up, and the Father actually spoke a word of affirmation, of blessing. This is my beloved Son, who I'm well pleased. If And it was an audible word of affirmation over Jesus. If Jesus needed that to begin his ministry, if that was important to Jesus, how much more important is that for each of us to not just say, yeah, I believe God loves me, but to actually have an experience with the Holy Spirit where we know 
right? Um, that, that he has lavished his, his love on us. And that cannot happen without a deep dive into embracing our inheritance that we find in the word of God and the, uh, the locking arms, right, with, with others in the body. And that's our work of ministry to each other is affirming each other based upon what God's promise says for us. That's the, the primary um, thing. So this first word inheritance is, is really important before we move on to providence. Anything on inheritance uh, before we move on to the uh, next couple words? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think for me personally, I sometimes focus more on, on the reason why I get put into a desert uh, and, you know, focus more on self-loathing, self-pity, like, oh, I'm in a desert. Instead of, I know we've talked the last week and a half now of the desert's actually a fulfilling time for to be refreshed, to be renewed with God. And especially this, this week, talking about being his secular, his treasured possession, yeah. I think that doesn't happen in our uh, hustle and bustle of daily life. Mm-hmm. So as much as I, I focus on the reason why I'm in the desert, I should be focusing on, man, when I'm in the desert, mm-hmm. can I refresh my mind, renew mm-hmm. my mind to say, I am God's treasured possession. My inheritance is spoken over me because in God's word, it's filled with over 30,000 promises that he's spoken to me and none of them have ever broken. And that's just amazing. Ron, I'll just add to that. I mean, I know that, and I said this in the first service, I know that there are many, maybe all of us who have had disparaging words spoken over us or, or very discouraging situations that put things in our mind and these, these ideas and these beliefs about ourselves can take root in our hearts and God is, has sent Jesus to set us free from those things. And so I want to pray again just for those yeah, who may be great. listening that have had these uh, you know, negative things spoken about them. Let's pray for release together yeah, from these good. things. Lord God Almighty, we pray that you would loose any strongholds in our hearts, in our psyche, in our minds about who we are. And Lord, we pray that your hope would prevail in our minds. Lord, I know that your Apostle Paul taught us to set our minds on good things, things that are noble and excellent and trustworthy and praiseworthy. God, by faith and by your Spirit within us, give us a resolve to focus on those things. And God, may you totally destroy the strongholds within us uh, where things have been spoken over us negatively, things that have been said to us negatively. God, let us separate from those and be renewed and restored to your truth and your hope and your word inside of us. And God, give each of us a desire. Give each of us, Lord, a resolve uh, to seek out your promises. Lord, to meditate even on one promise Mm -hmm. where you speak your truth and your hope Mm -hmm. inside of us. And God, may we be be renewed in you Mm -hmm. and in your truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's awesome, man. So our four words, just to try to, to kind of the how. How do I move towards the reality of this secular experience of seeing you know, ourselves as his treasure, possession, uh, inheritance, providence, provision, and affirmation. So the next one of these is, is providence. And this is a big word, but it's all through the scripture. It's a beautiful word. And as we start laying hold of the word of God and, and taking uh, the promises of what God says about us in the gospel into our heart, and there was exchanging our earthly inheritance for a heavenly inheritance. As that happens, what happens is our view starts opening up. And we see this all through the scripture. Our eyes start opening up as revelation starts to come. And we, we start to see more as God would have us see this is part of the transforming reality of being born again, right? To, to focus on the things of heaven and, and, and everything that God has. Providence is, the, is this overwhelming, restful, um, big idea that God is behind everything. The scripture says that he knows the very number of the hairs on our head. He knows when a sparrow falls from a tree. He knows and he promises to provide for us. And, and it moves us. We know we're growing into this security, this self-esteem, this rock solid who we are in life when we start to really lay hold of providence that we trust that God's behind everything. And Romans 8.28 is one of the beautiful providential promises that for those who love God, who have called according to his purpose, that he works all things for good. Even things like a a COVID pandemic is that God, for his children, he will work even evil things. As a result of this fallen world, he will work for the benefit of his children. Providence is we rest in, Lord, you're at work. I don't see it now, but I know you're a loving heavenly father. Your promises, you'll, no one can snatch you out of, out of, uh, no one can snatch me out of, out of your hands. And, uh, and we have this trust that builds. Providence is, is a 
beautiful thing. It's intimately connected. It fortifies our identity in our Heavenly Father. And that moves us to the next thing more intimately is provision. Is Then we start to really lay hold of not just our identity passages, but provision. And we start to lay hold of the promises. We see, God, the promises of God. And by faith, I can take these promises and make them, experience them, and see them in my life. And we rest in like Matthew, um, Matthew chapter um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, five, six, and seven, where, where God says, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, drink, all these things. I, I know you need those things. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? And th- this I- idea of provision, we start focusing more on, wow, God, look how you have provided for me all along the way, rather than a focus on, God, what you didn't do or what you didn't provide or what you're not doing or saying. That's a place of bondage still in the old inheritance. Um, and, and I start shifting to start seeing wow, God, look what you've done. Look what you've done. My thankfulness, gratitude starts, the grace of God, it starts to release in in us as children of God during this idea of of provision. And then it moves to the final one, which is affirmation. Now our heart is ready to receive the affirmation of God in a very powerful, experiential way. And and we start to see it everywhere. Little touches when we read the word of God. Now it's not just kind of duty in the beginning of wrestling with it, but boy, it's very intimate language. And we see see when we read a passage or a promise we receive it personally it says oh taste and see the psalm says that oh god is good in other words this is we're to feast on the word of god the bread of life and jesus his word he is the logos and then that moves us into a real experiential idea of of affirmation so those are the four words just give you as a how to to think about explore these words and uh, boy are we being fortified remember the primary two reasons god takes us to the desert is to fortify to strengthen Strengthen us as his children that our self-esteem would be based upon what he says, not what's happened to us and, and what anybody else says, but what he says over us. And that's part of this, this desert time. Anything before we move on to the priesthood idea, just on those, the idea of Segula being his treasured possession. Yeah, uh, talking about his, um, the provision, the providence, uh, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite analogies is mountain biking. If you've ever been mountain biking, yeah, someone good. told me when I first started, if you see a rock in the road, don't think to yourself, don't hit that rock, because all you're doing when you consume your mind with about the rock, you're going to hit the rock. Right. And when you're talking about, you know, when we focus on what God hasn't done, mm-hmm. we miss the mark, we're going to hit the rock. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing on, man, so much good is in God's word. Man. If we can just absorb that in his provision, his providence. It's uh, good. Man. Mm. It's good, bro. I, I, uh, just to, it's funny, as, as you're sharing that, Brian, I, I just remember a conversation I had with somebody and um, and they're they're they, they're not a follower of, of Jesus, and they were just sharing with me um, the profound. They, this is an older person, and they were just sharing with me the profound nature of of their life as they look back. A very successful person, and looked how much of their life was driven by what their father had spoken over them, and it got so bad at one point that they uh, he, this this person shared with me that they went. Um, on, on a, on a, uh, a five-day solo trip out in the wilderness all alone just to try to clean out everything. And it was fascinating. Uh, it, it tells this big story, and at the end of it, at the end of that time, um, is, is that he, this is powerful, this story. You realize he shared with me at the end of it all is that um, at the end of the five days of this journey of just kind of cleansing, this personal cleansing, that he realized that when it was all said and done, that all that was left with him was, was his father and the words that were spoken over him. And, um, and, and, and that was it. And, and I, I left, I remember telling that story and just trying to, to make the point, as we talked about earlier, even in the introduction to this series, is that, you know, going to the wilderness and any kind of worldly self-help, it leaves us ultimately empty because we need God. If God is not there, if he's not the one where we, we come to for that inheritance, we come to for the relief of the wounds and everything, is we're just left with what was spoken over us by our parent. And we were created for more. The very best parent that lavishes their child with, you are blessed, you are loved, you are treasured, is that child needs more than that. That child needs to be pointed to the one uh, who created them uh, and who has good things for them. So this, this idea of, of going to the wilderness and, and understanding God's vast love for us, it's critical, it's foundational, it's universal to everyone, right, of, of our souls. So... Um, Let's transition to the second primary 
uh, reason why God takes us to the desert, not only right, to reestablish us, who we are, ourself, to bolster our self-worth, to reaffirm us in who we are as his blessed children, but also to establish us in our primary calling, what he desires for us. And uh, as we read, as you s- saw on the video, Going back to Exodus 19, man, he says he's called the, his, his, uh, his people out of Egypt to be with him and, and to have an intimate exchange with them. And, and Exodus 19 is where he first says to them, he's called them out to be his treasure possession and that they would be a kingdom of priests for him. And then we see, in, and we read in the video as well, into the New Testament, we see this affirmed again in 1 Peter chapter 2. And then what I want to take us is to the very last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus' last r- words right to us here that he gave to John, um, and we see this same theme, and it's, it's repeated two other times in the book of Revelation. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this is important. This is important for us to get our arms around, and today we've kind of removed this, this idea. We've taken a wrong understanding in many ways of what it is to, to be a priest. But this is what uh, Revelation 1 verse 6 says. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's the work of Jesus. That's what Jesus has done in coming to us and reestablishes the idea of, of, our, of our being children of God and also being a kingdom of priests. Now, as we talked about in the video, this idea of being a, a priest is kind of awkward language and, and uh, maybe for some people it's even heretical language or, or something. But again, basically, being a priest, what this is saying is he desires his children to minister to him. First and foremost, to minister to God. That's through prayer and worship. Uh, to minister to him. He delights in the ministry of his children. And when you go and you read the book of Revelation, you see all of heaven, the myriad of angels and others that are there, and they are constantly bringing praise to God. And here's the reality. When you're in the presence of God, there's only one thing that can be done, is that we go to our face, we go to our knees, praise naturally comes out. When Jesus entered Jerusalem and he said, if these people do not, when the, the, the people, the Pharisees are telling, you know, calling the people down in their worship, Jesus says, if these people are quiet, even the rocks will cry out. All, and we see in the, uh, this beautiful language right in the Old Testament where all of creation, the trees will clap their hands. In the presence of God, the natural thing to do is to lift up our, our voices and to just extemporaneously, naturally give praise unto God. This should be happening, right, when God's people come together um, and, and minister to God. And uh, I, uh, I just want to throw out this big idea that during this time, I just wonder if during this, this wilderness time, this COVID pandemic time, if God is, is looking at his church and, and he's longing for his church to, to have a kind of a, a radical readjustment. To, to, to when we come together, it's, it's not just the, the, uh, the popular priest. It's not just the professional priest, right, that... that that we're focusing our attention on, but God wants all of his people to come and to be ministers, priests unto him, and to have that mentality um, among themselves when they come you know, together and, and worship him. And I just wonder if during this time, he's not trying to reestablish this, this whole thing. And the history of the church has shown us being way out of balance on this is again, just like the Israelites. When God, Moses took them, led them to God at Mount Sinai, and Moses went up on the, on the hill, and, and God said he desires all of it to be his treasure possession and his priests. And when Moses comes down, what do the people do? They reject this, this identity for them. Moses, you go do it for us. We're going to let the professionals handle this. We're going to be just sitting here, and we'll wait on you to come and tell us what to do. Do you realize that that is the majority of the history of the church? especially during the dark ages, and we still have way too much of that hanging on here, is that we rely on those who are on the stage, behind the pulpit, whatever it is, um, to, to be that. When it should be those that are in vocational ministry should be bringing, welcoming the rest of the body into this priestly duty um, that God has called us to. So I want to leave you with this big idea, and we'll uh, talk about it here. But before we come back together as a church... 
What would happen if we united as Crossroads Church family is that something shifted in our mind and we, we were awakened to realize that when we gathered to worship, you know what that God, our first motive should be is like the scripture says, we're to be a living sacrifice. Our first thing should be, what can I do? How can I please you, God? What can I offer to you? And our heart should be coming to bring a sacrifice of praise unto God. And Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. Right? This is to be a house of ministry to God, first and foremost. What would happen if the majority of God's people, that's the attitude they had in coming to church, but instead in America, we've created a consumer thing right, where people come and, and, it's, and we've built in people's brains, what do I get out of this? Well, what am I going to get out? Well, I like that song, I don't like this, rather than a priesthood that they're a part of this, to come and to primarily lift something unto the Lord. And then the second piece of that is to be available to God, to be filled with his spirit, right, and to minister, right, to others now, to be that vessel, to be available to God, right, to bring that, that uh, message to them. Um, gang, I'm telling you that I believe with all my heart this is one of the many things that God is desiring because we see this all through the scripture. And boy, let's, let me deep dive just for a minute here and just show you that in Revelation, and when you watch prophecy and moving towards the end, one of the things that will happen as the end comes is that this is what's going to happen, is that God, through the Holy Spirit is going to restore his church to be a kingdom of priests that are not just consumer, spiritual consumers, but is the kingdom of people who first and foremost unite and lock arms to bring praise and ministry to God and ministry to others. And so this is something that we need to restore and trust God in, in, this, in this time. Anything you guys uh, have to add on that? Yeah, I'd just like to add, I think that, that for, for many of us, we've only pursued these things as a matter of corporate worship or when others are around or we get a little bit of a taste of it in church when I want to read something to you. You mentioned Matthew 6. I mean, that's one of my favorite passages too. That's actually the first passage that I read in Scripture as a, as a new believer or becoming a new believer. Mm. But it, it, the Sermon on the Mount. And, but in chapter 6, the, Jesus says this, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Right. And he says, if you do, you will have received no reward from your Father in heaven. Right. But when you pray, go into your closet mm. and pray. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will, yeah. re- will reward you. And I know this has to be something that is rooted in us, in our souls as, as a personal. We, we are baptized into the kingdom of God and into the fellowship and the church of God. But this has to be something that each one of us take up so that when we do come to worship... Yeah. We are bringing something. He's filling that reservoir, and he's rewarding us in ways that we can't quantify or comprehend sometimes. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage us to do that, uh, each one of us, personally. And then let's encourage one another. Let's spur one another on to that. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to give a shout-out. We had a, a text come in with a picture of a community group uh, they were hosting. So their priesthood is showing. They wanted to gather around the TV screen, and they're watching service. Awesome. Uh, so they texted in, and it's, it's amazing yeah. to see people gathering. Which, hey, if you're having it, we're encouraging these watch parties, gang, on Sunday morning. Invite people over, right, to, to join in. Uh, with the online experience. And please, if you do that, take a picture. Uh, we're gonna, we'll put these up on the screen next week and uh, just so we can see each other. It's a beautiful expression. Um, it's a beautiful picture just to see, right? Uh, God's people gathering together to worship Him and enjoy Him, right, in this, in this process. Um, guys, just Derek and Brian, just as you think about it, um, on these two big issues, is there something maybe to share with folks out there? That, do you remember... A big move in your life when you, you that uh, on this. Let's start with just this idea of identity of of man, God's affirmation over my life. Did, just anything you can share in your own testimony that you think, wow, that was a big formative move for me to just think, wow, I am I'm treasured by Him. Um, you know, any anything just to share that comes off. I, I know I just kind of threw that at you. So. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> I mean, for me, I think the revelation. Or the realization, uh, this is 30 years ago when I became a Christian, and the realization, because I had done many things uh, in religion and in the church before that, and trying to make that happen, but then when, when I stopped all the striving and let God do it in me, that's how we become slaves to righteousness. Yeah. To righteousness. Yeah. 
And that's how we can actually be free from being a slave to sin is the the Lord does it in us. If we try by all of our willpower and all of our strength, it just comes to no end. I think you said last week it it can lead to spiritual depression. And so to be renewed in in that fact and that foundation of him doing it inside of us, Mm. I mean, that that is a phenomenal feeling. I believe, I know that every one of Christ's followers we must feel that we must experience that because that catapults us into a a life of faith and a life in step with the spirit of god yeah that's good bro anything brian yours yeah uh mine actually sounded like a long time in my head i was going to share a memory from 10 years ago (laughs) yeah you shared 30 years ago which i would have been like one year old (laughs) but yeah so 10 years ago uh i was almost 10 years probably like nine years ago i was going actually through uh pre-engagement counseling with chris henderson uh he's sitting back there still and he said something that was profound changed my entire life because uh, I'd grown up with a father figure who wasn't speaking truth or life into you know into me and uh, kind of carried that weight and mm. thought you know it shaped who I was. I was not going to be like my father. And Chris said, "Man, it doesn't matter. You're focused more on not being your father. You're missing the mark of mm. being more like your heavenly father. Mm. You're missing the blessings that he has for you." Mm. And and that was probably eight or nine years ago. And mm. to this day, you know, I still remember sitting on his couch and him sharing those words and it was just, yeah. it was impactful. So thanks man. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I, I just want to build on that, that I think it just in my life is, is, as just listening to you all, I, my mind was just flooded with people. And I look back and, and different kind of people, um, my mother, but that just didn't affirm me just personally, but pointed me to the affirmation of, of my Heavenly Father. And uh, boy, I mean, I think of pastors, young life leaders, I, just down the list, coaches. I mean, uh, the power. This is one way to do the priestly ministry, that, to be available for God. So oftentimes that God brings His affirmation to us through others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the power of that... Um, is just massive. I just was sitting here. I was just flooded with. One was my grandfather. My grandfather. He longed to, to know the Lord, and, and but grew up in a real um, rigid, ritual, high church type of environment. And and and. Uh, but but even in his baby faith, his affirmation over me, and then even in my call to vocation, in my calling in life, he rejoiced in my he, my call because he was an engineer and uh, undergraduate. But when I made the shift, he was a very successful engineer. Why, why I made the shift from engineer calling to vocational ministry, my entire family thought I was whacked. But my grandfather, he was probably the first one, not only that, but he paid for my, subtly, I didn't even know it, but he paid for my, my seminary, my training. And um, the power of that, folks, is to call out, even if it goes against your own, what you think, calling for someone is profound. So this is how God wants to use us and, uh, and bringing this alive, right, in, in people's lives. So, um, Steve, can I add yep, to that? Sure. Man, that is so powerful. And, and I, I think immediately that, that there are so many of us today that speak negativity over things. We are, yes. we are called to yeah. speak the truth in love. Yeah. But oftentimes we speak falsehoods and negativity yeah. uh, with opposite intentions of love. And boy, I just encourage every one of us, I mean siblings, children, parents, uncles, grandparents, co-workers, I mean, let's begin to, to meditate on the truth of God, like Paul says, I mean, setting our minds on things that are noble and excellent and trustworthy and praiseworthy, and bringing these things to life, sometimes calling, like you said, calling them out. We, we, we see things with hope, faith is seeing things as though they were, yes. we see with eyes of faith and to yeah. call those things forth and to speak those things. Right. Uh, it's not that we're just contriving some positive, you know, goofy, positive mental attitude. Right. We're identifying with the hope of God and then beginning to speak that into our families, yeah. into our marriages, yeah. into our workplaces. Man, I guarantee you mm. it changes. Yeah. It changes people in the midst of that. If, if just one of us, if just one person takes responsibility to do that yeah. and the power of God, it will change. Man. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, that's good. Anything else, Brian, on coming in or other thoughts? You know, there's more pictures from community groups meetings. So really? That's, that's awesome. beautiful. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to, we'll roll those next week for everybody. That'll yeah. be a lot of fun. And they so. said they're having meatballs after, and so I said, when, when can I come over? Oh, man. What time? Exactly. Yeah, Let's find out where that is. Let's go. 
That's, that's wonderful. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in. I hope this, these things help. Let me just, on this uh, issue of the priesthood, restoring the understanding what, what God is calling us, each of us in that, um, what would it be like? You know, who knows how long it's going to be before we can all gather together in great Christian fellowship. But boy, please think about this. When you do gather together, and we're going to be rolling some stuff, continue the watch parties. We're going to roll out some other smaller gathering things uh, in the life of the church. But whether you come together as a small group of people or when we all can gather together, now let's really hone in on, on this mentality of when we gather together, our first and foremost is we're to be there to just ask this question, Lord, how can I bless you? Father, how can I bless you? You know, that's something we don't think about because we, we're so kind of in a myopic age about, God, what you can do for me. But you know that God desires for you to bless him, right, through worship and through prayer and thanksgiving, and that that opens up heaven. We see it all through the scripture. And so let's think about that, church. When we gather, first and foremost, Lord, how can I bless you? How can I bring a sacrifice of praise? Um, and then secondly, Lord, how can I be available to be a blessing and minister to others? That is unleashing this idea of becoming a kingdom of priests. This is what God desires, right, among his people. These are the two my primary reasons that God brings us to the wilderness, to be with him, to restore, right, these two things in our hearts. So thanks for tuning in. Um, God bless you. Um, Derek, will you pray just to close us out here? Um, Absolutely. This- I'd also like to read a benediction for us if I can. Wonderful. From Matthew 7, uh, the closing of the mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount. Oh, let this be a blessing unto us. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the Lord says, and puts them into practice, he is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Lord, thank you for your foundation. God, may we each build upon that according to your will and according to your your divine revelation, God, from your word and specifically to each one of your people. As we live our, our lives daily in, with faith in you, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. God, may you pour out this truth into our hearts this morning. And God, may we learn from you. May we be renewed in you, Lord, not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but renewing our minds in your truth and in your word, renewing our strength and our spirit in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, reveal to each of us, God, your affirmation of us, your provision for us. God, our heritage founded in you. And Lord, may we know and remember that we are your treasured possession. God, you renew our minds, O oh Lord, and let us live from that foundation. May we be a blessing to you, Lord, and may we be a blessing to all those around us because of your life within us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.